Hi, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I want to thank you for joining us today online. I want you to go right now before we get started and download our app. You can download it from the Apple App Store or from the Google Play Store by simply searching Word of Life Carlsbad. If you would like to give today, then you can give online by going to our app or our website, or you can also text 84321, and when you search, just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for some word this morning? Praise God. I've got some exciting things to share with you today. We have been talking about this is us and talking about the, um, you know, what, what defines Word of Life Church? What are we all about? And, uh, you know, I've said this, that if you are, if you consider Word of Life to be your church, this is stuff you need to know. And furthermore, if uh, you're looking for a church, then uh, you need to know this. Praise God. You need to know about Word of Life. It just might be the church you're looking for. Praise God. And if you're just curious about what goes on in there, you know, that, that church up on the hill that puts out the cones on Sunday morning makes us slow down, you know. I uh, wonder what they do in there. We'll come over and see. Watch today and... and uh, you know, and find out, praise God. And uh, like I keep saying, I think you'll like it, praise God. I think you'll like it, hallelujah. And that there are some things that, you know, a few years back, uh, well, it's almost been, we were, we're going to have to quit saying a few years and now say several years back because uh, we're beyond the few now. But, uh, you know, I personally... I grew tired of church the way it had always been. And, um, you know, I am about to turn 61 years old, and I've been in church my whole life. And, uh, <laughs> hey, you didn't have to do that. It's not that amazing. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, you know, I probably, I, I would suspect that I probably went to church within the first two weeks of my life, and uh, probably within the first week, but uh, anyway, um, I've been in church ever since, and I've seen a whole lot of things. I've been in a lot of different church environments. I've been in, in uh, uh, over the years, and... Uh, you know, I just begin to realize that some of the things that we had done and the way that, that we did church was not necessarily wrong, um, but it wasn't the only way to do it. And sometimes we have, have uh, taken some things that just, we really didn't know why we did them. We just, that's just the way you do it. And, and we've almost thought that it was in the Bible that way. In fact, I've, I've had people that have, have uh, tried to tell me that that's what the Bible said we ought to do. And they took uh, some obscure scripture that wasn't even talking about what they were talking about. 
and that was supposed to be their proof that that's the way it was supposed to be done. And, uh, you know, I just, um, I began to look at a lot of that stuff and, and re-examine some of that stuff, and I began to see that that was not necessarily the case and that part of the reason why we have failed in our, um, that we failed to reach the world, you know, I mean, you realize it's been 2,000 years since Jesus went back to heaven and uh, only about a third of the world names the name of Christ. And so with that in mind, why have we not reached the other two-thirds? And, uh, you know, I think that, that the key to some of that, at least, lies in some of these things in the way we have done, not, not that we did church wrong, but that we have, it has become almost more important than anything else. Our, our, our traditions and our way of, of doing things has become so important to us that, uh, that, that sometimes we forget why we're here and, and, and what we're all about. And as I began to look at these things over the last several years and, uh, and began to see some things, I just grew tired of that. And I thought, you know, there, there has got to be, I mean, if, if you're in business, and you're not getting the job done, what do you do? Well, you sit down and you rethink what you're doing, and you examine what you're doing. And you, um, you know, I, I, knew of, of, uh, I knew of one business, uh, a local store, that uh, several years back, that they stocked on the shelves the things that the owner of the store liked, but they weren't selling. So obviously, the people that came into the store didn't really like what was being stocked there. And uh, so because of that, they, they, they're no longer in business. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine say one time, so, you know, when I'm at home, I play the music I like. When, when, uh, when I'm at church, let's do what, what's, what's needed, what's, what's effective in, in reaching the people. What's, let, let's, uh, and, and so anyway, we begin to look at that. And so we, that's what, kind of what this series of messages on um, This Is Us is all about. And by the way, uh, um, if, if, you're, if you hear something today that strikes a chord with you and blesses you, ministers to you, helps you in some way, go ahead and post it out on Facebook. And if you do, I've been asked to say this, use the hashtag, this is us. So uh, we can get all those things together. And, and uh, if you would do that, that would be, that would be great. But uh, um, anyway, this morning... I was sitting in the cafe very early as I always am on Sunday mornings. And as I'm sitting there, you know, uh, I begin to think about the harvest of souls. And which is, you know, something that we're going to be talking about this morning. But, uh, you know, the harvest of souls really, when it comes right down to it, 
we throw everything else out and say that's what we're all about. We're all about the harvest of souls. Now, there's a lot of things involved in getting the harvest of souls, but the, the, the bottom line is the reason Jesus left us here after he saved us was to, to reach the lost, to reach the world, to bring more in, praise God, to bring in the harvest of souls. And, uh, you know, a, a statistic, I've shared this with you before, I know, but it bears repeating today that in the next minute, I mean, you could start your stopwatch right now, in the next minute, 105 people will die. Um, about 70 of those, two-thirds of them, will die without Christ. Now, when I begin to think about that, people say, well, you know, Jesus is coming soon. Somebody else says, well, they've been saying that forever. But let me just say this. If he doesn't come for another 500 years, there are 105 people that have one minute left. So time is short. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to make a case for when I think Jesus is coming back. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for 105 people or, or 70 of those who die without Christ, they've got one minute left. And, you know, when, when we start thinking in terms, you know, in those kind of terms, we're talking about, um, we're talking about Christians that are upset about something so they don't do anything. So they sit around and do nothing for the harvest because, well, I'm, a, because I'm just going through some things. Well, hurry up and go through it because there are people that are waiting on you. Praise God. You know, uh, there are people who have been going through things for years. And they're still going through things and they still will five years from now because they refuse to get through it. They refuse to get on out the other side and get back to the business of reaching the lost. Praise God. And so when we begin to think about things in those kinds of terms, we don't have time. You know, there are people whose eternal destination depends on us getting ourselves together and getting this job done. Praise God. Praise God. Now, many Christians see the world as the enemy. When they, when they see sinners, they see the enemy. They sit there and watch TV. Now, I don't know why they don't just turn the TV off because they don't like what's on it anyway. They just gripe about it. But uh, uh, they sit there and watch TV with disgust on their face. And they see sinners and they see the things that sinners do and they're disgusted by it and they're, they're uh, appalled by it, but they don't do anything about it. They're just mad. You know, and, and so um, when we see sinners, what do we see? Let me change your vision here a little bit. Anybody ready to put on some new glasses? 
where you see a little bit better, a little clearer. Praise God. When we see sinners and when we see sin, rather than seeing an enemy, you got to realize those people are not your enemy. Now, they may be tools that are being used by the enemy, but those people are not your enemy. Praise God. And when we begin to see people, Jesus saw the lost with compassion. Praise God. Praise God. You'll never reach the lost if you're disgusted by them. You, we, we wonder sometimes why we have failed to get this job done. And part of the reason we have failed to get this job done is because of the disgust that we have towards sinners. You know, and the, the church, you know, honestly, here, here's the thing. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that much of the church world actually hates sinners. But we'll never reach them as long as we have that kind of an attitude towards them. You know, we, we, we say this, well, God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Why can't we just say God loves sinners? Because here's what sinners hear every time we say that. Sinners hear, it's not what you said, I know that, but what sinners hear is God hates me. Because I'm a sinner. And so, you know, they, they become defensive. And the, the sad part is that most of the church world acts like it's true. That God hates sinners. God loves sinners. And I'm just going to put a period and an exclamation point on the end of that. God loves sinners. Now, he loves you too much to leave you in the condition you're in. Praise God. Praise God. But get this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Now, how many in the multitude do you think were sinners? We don't know how big the multitude was. But, but I am quite sure that there were a lot of them that were sinners. He saw the multitude, and he didn't just have compassion. He was moved with compassion. Moved implies that he did something because he had compassion. Praise God. He did something about it because he had compassion on them. Hallelujah. He was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, can we put on Jesus' glasses right here so we can see the lost as sheep who are weary and scattered having no shepherd? Can we begin to see people like that? 
When you do, see, if we begin to look with eyes of compassion, it becomes impossible to do nothing. It becomes impossible to do nothing when you really see with eyes of compassion. So begin to pray this. Begin to speak this over yourself. You know, when you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, give me eyes of compassion today that I can see the lost like you see them. That I can see sinners like you see them, as weary, having, uh, as sheep having no shepherd. You see, in Luke chapter 7, verse number 34, says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a, a glutton and a wine-bibber, and a friend, get this, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, you can't call yourself a friend. You can't say you are a friend or nobody's going to call you a friend if you are disgusted with them. If you, if you despise them, if you hate them, nobody's going to call you a friend. They called Jesus a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, notice this wasn't Jesus' words right here. Now, he, he went on later and he says, I've called you friends in another place. But this wasn't what Jesus said about himself right here. This is what someone else said about him. Jesus wasn't saying, I am a friend of tax collectors and sinners. No, somebody else said he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Praise God. So let, let's get that. Jesus, his friendship towards them was so obvious that other people called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Praise God. You see, one of the things that we are about at Word of Life is we refuse to have eyes of contempt for the world. We refuse to have eyes of contempt for the world. Now, many people, they won't come in here because they think they're going to be looked down on. And if you're watching online and you're saying, well, I like, I'd like to go to that church, but they'll just look down on me. No, we won't. We will not. I, I give you my word. Now, there might be somebody here that does, but as a body, our official position is we will not look down on you, so come on. And you can go tell your friends that. You can go tell them, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been doing, you can come to church with me because you will not be looked down on. Praise God. Don't be afraid of that. Don't worry about that because that's not what's going to happen. Hallelujah. We exist for you. Praise God. We exist for the lost. You know, my, my friend Terry Scott that's gone to be with the Lord, Terry used to say this, that, that any church that's no longer reaching out to the lost has lost its reason for existence. 
Praise God. You see, here's the thing. You don't know their story. You don't know how they came to the place where they are. In fact, you know, several years ago, I heard, I, 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 if I recall correctly, it was Rick Renner who made the statement, and it just so struck me, it stuck with me all these years, that he said, you don't know the person sitting next to you in church, you don't know what they had to do just to get there that day. You don't know what they had to go through. You know, I've, I have heard the stories about what different people had to go through. You know, I have heard the stories about the, the husband who would lock the wife out of the house because she went to church. You know, she wanted to go to church and the husband said, don't come home if you do. You know, I remember the story of Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great revivalists back in the, the, uh, in the early days of the, of the last century. How that, you know, his wife would go to church and uh, he would lock her out of the house. He didn't want her to go to church. And uh, so he said that, that she would come home and he had her locked out of the house so she would sleep on the front porch. And the next morning he would unlock the door to go out and get the newspaper and she would get up and go in the house and, and make him breakfast. Now that's showing the love of Jesus. But Smith Wigglesworth then came to the Lord and became one of the great revivalists of uh, of modern times, and uh, a man powerfully used of God in, in in miracles. But you don't know what that person sitting next to you had to deal with just to get here. You don't know what that person, when they go around their family, how their family may ridicule them and and uh, uh, abuse them and and reject them because they come to church. And furthermore, that's the people sitting in church next to you. You don't know what that guy out on the street, what his story is, why he's where he's at. You don't know why the guy sitting at Walmart with a will work for food sign you know, and sometimes we like to get a little judgmental about that and say, well, you know, he's probably just going to, if I give him some money, he's probably just going to use it to buy booze. Well, that might be the case. It might be. But even if it is the case, you don't know why he became an alcoholic. You don't know the story behind all of that. But if we will look through eyes of compassion, none of that matters. Jesus died for sinners. The Apostle Paul was one, he said, that this is a, a, a faithful statement worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. In other words, Paul was a man who persecuted the church. In fact, that's what he was on his way to do when Jesus arrested him. Praise God. When he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what he was on his way to do that day. You don't know why that person is in the situation they are in 
But one thing we do know for sure is that's another one Jesus died for. Praise God. Let's change our glasses. You know, let, let's, get, let's take off our religiously tinted sunglasses. You see, because we, we have these religious tinted sunglasses that filter out certain things that we don't want to see and make things look a little distorted and a little different than what they really are. You ever put on some, somebody else's glasses? Let me just tell you, those are not your glasses. Those are many times we're looking through the, the glasses that the Pharisees used to wear. They're hand-me-down glasses from the Pharisees. I mean, you ever think about that? You know, the Pharisees had their way of viewing the world, and they just they they've handed their glasses down to a lot of church people. Remember, it was the Pharisees that insisted that Jesus be crucified. Pilate said, you know, hey, I don't find any fault with this guy. And it was the religious leaders of the day that said, crucify him. You see, and, and with those religious glasses on, Everything is distorted and you can't see the way things really are. There's somebody else's Those are not your glasses. You have been redeemed from under the law and you are now under grace. So let's quit looking at people and the world through law-tinted glasses. Praise God. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You who are spiritual, everybody likes to think they're spiritual. So he says, if you really are, in fact, spiritual, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to restore such a one. Praise God. You're going to restore the one that you saw overtaken in a fault. Praise God. Praise God. Now, how many know? See, here, here's the thing that we need to understand. We see that word restore. How many know that restoration sometimes takes time? We want them to walk into the church, a person that's, that's maybe they've been out and, and left the church and gone out into the world and they've done all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't be doing and, and all this kind of stuff, and they come back into the church and we expect that them walking in the door means they have been restored. No, what it usually means is they have decided I need to be restored. And we have people coming into the church and we think that they should be, well, they, they should be all fixed now. 
But restoration sometimes takes a long time. Sometimes people have been hurt so deeply, you know, and, and I know I've got some, I come from Pentecostal background, and I know what people in, in, in my background would have done. Well, let's just lay hands on them and pray for them and everything will be fixed. You know, what usually happens is we lay hands on people and pray for them and they get some relief. But the relief is temporary and there is still all of the issues when they walk out the door and go back home that day, all of the issues that drove them to the place where they are are still there. And we need to be patient with people. We need to be long-suffering with them. After all, doesn't the, didn't, didn't Galatians say that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering? Praise God. So if we're spiritual, then we will demonstrate long-suffering with people. We want it fixed today, but sometimes restoration is a process that takes some time. Praise God. So let's be long-suffering with people. Hallelujah. He said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24 and 25 we use this as a scripture to prove you should come to church. That's not how I'm going to use it this morning. Here's what I want you to see. Now, you should come to church. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, pastor doesn't believe that. Yes, I do believe that. I do believe you should come to church. And I believe that it's right here in this verse. But that's not what I'm talking about today, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Did you notice? Are, are you looking in your Bible? If, if not, hurry up and get there. Okay? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works there is a comma there. That means the same sentence is continued. It says, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, do you get that? He's not saying, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, period. Now, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. No. He's saying that we should stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Because it is when we come together, it is the assembling of ourselves together where we have the opportunity, you know, It's, it's at that time, and that doesn't just mean 
in the the corporate setting in the in the church body but that also means when you see someone on the street when you run into them when you invite them to your house when you wherever you run into them wherever you come in contact with them he says be stirring up love and good works praise god be stirring up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together praise god as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, at Word of Life, we choose compassion. Compassion is not just, it's just not something you just have. You know, I mean, some people are more soft-hearted than others. Some people are more compassionate naturally than others. But, but regardless of what your tendency is, we choose Compassion. Praise God. Praise God. Say that with me. Say, I choose compassion. Praise God. When we look through the eyes of compassion, it makes it impossible to do nothing about a lost and dying world. Praise God. Our core value number five is this. Our vision is both personal and global. We see the church as bigger than our walls. We embrace our responsibility to take the message of hope to the people of our community and the world. Now, I'm preparing right now, next month, to go to the, to the Philippines. I just received an invitation uh, yesterday to go to the Philippines again in the month of May. I have, um, I have a, um, a contact in Kenya that has been repeatedly asking me to come to Kenya. Um, I need to go to Guatemala, all right? You know, the only thing is, I really want to do all these things. I can't, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that I can but the, it, it, it will break my heart. This, this man that's been inviting me to Kenya, his ministry, he lives among the people in a garbage dump. That's where they live is in a garbage dump. And these people are scrounging in the garbage dump looking for food every day. And children are not educated. He's got a school where he's educating these children. And, you know, he wants me to come and train pastors and teach pastors. I don't know yet what my answer to him is going to be. But I can tell you this, it will break my heart if I have to tell him, no, I can't come. My friend that invited me to the Philippines in May asked me to come and be a part of uh, of a believer's conference there. It would break my heart if I have to tell him no. 
Why? Because when I see the world with compassion, it makes it impossible to do nothing. You have to go. You have to do something. Now, that doesn't mean everybody needs to go to a foreign country. That's not what I mean. But everybody needs to do something. Everybody must do something because there is a world out there and 70 of them will go into eternity without Christ in the next 60 seconds. That's more than one a second. How can we do nothing? We must. No one of us can do it all by ourselves. I can't go to Kenya. I can't go to the Philippines. I can't go to Guatemala unless I have people who send me. And the one who sends has equal reward. In fact, you know, it's, it's not even about the reward. Now, I know God rewards, and when we do something for the kingdom of God, he rewards that, but it's not even about the reward. It's really about the people that we have compassion upon. Praise God. You can't do nothing. So if you're wallowing in something today, Get out of the pig pen, get out of the mire, get up, get over it, and do something for the kingdom of God. Do something for the people that are lost and dying without Christ. Praise God. John chapter 4, verse number 35. Jesus says, do not say... There are still month, uh, four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white for harvest. When are they white for harvest? He said, not four months from now. Now, right now, they are white for harvest. Right now. Praise God. Praise God. You know, it... It hurt me very deeply. Now, don't, don't mistake this as saying I'm mad at somebody. I'm not. That's, that's not the case. But I, I want you to know, it hurt me very deeply when I did a soul winning class and four people showed up. Now, why did four people show up for a soul winning class? Maybe... No one took it seriously that we've got a harvest to reach. We've got a harvest to bring in. I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to trust that this time there's going to be more that will come. You know, every one of us can sharpen our skills on reaching the lost. If you come to class and you don't do anything, the class didn't do you any good. But you come to class and you learn and you grow and then you go and you put it to practice. Praise God. Praise God. So let's do this class again. You know, I'd like to see every single one of you here to talk about winning souls. Praise God. And then I'd like to see every one of you take it and go out and do it. 
You know what? If we'll do that in very short order, I guarantee you that this facility will not hold us. It won't take long. It won't take long. Praise God. You see, in Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what he came for, to seek and to save that which is lost. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he says, This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. The Amplified Classic edition of that says, The saying is sure and true, and worthy of full and universal acceptance that Christ Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. He said this should be a universally accepted idea. This should be a universally accepted thought that Jesus came to save sinners. Praise God. Our core value number one says this, we will pull out all the stops to introduce people to Jesus. In short, God is madly in love with you, and we will do things that some view as insane to make sure everyone knows that. Praise God. Now, if that means we change our traditional way of doing things, and that's really not what we're talking about this morning. I know I touched on it a little bit, but, you know, we're willing to do things that others seem to think is insane. I think it was pretty insane for Jesus to go to the cross. I think it was pretty insane for God to give his only begotten son. That was pretty insane. I think So I think God has the same core value. Hallelujah. That he will pull out all the stops. He did pull out all the stops because he was madly in love with you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, John 3, verse 17. I'm going to close with this this morning. John 3, 17. Through 19, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. And the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Notice, Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation, but he came to bring salvation. Praise God. Since Jesus 
Since God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn, he sure didn't send me to condemn. He sent me to do the works of Jesus. And the works of Jesus did not include condemnation. Praise God. Praise God. Father, and and here's the core value number seven. It says, we believe the Bible is not a book of rules, but a revelation of a person, Jesus. And our message, I'll give you my word on this. If you're watching online thinking, maybe I can go to that church. Well, maybe this will help. Our message won't be about you and what you did. Our message will be about Jesus and what he did. Praise God. Praise God. So right now, wherever you're at, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching me online, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you pray this prayer and you mean this from your heart, you mean what you're saying, if you just say it and you don't mean it, nothing will happen. But if you pray this prayer and you mean it, then according to God's word, you will be saved. Just say this right now. Everyone here, please. Everyone watching online. God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, into this world, not for the purpose of condemning me, but for the purpose of saving me. That he died on a cross, paying for all of my sins. And God raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I put my trust in you, Jesus, in what you have done. And I receive what you have done. I receive the salvation that you are offering. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. From this moment forward, I want to follow you. Amen. Well, thank you once again for joining us today online. We want to connect with you, and we can do so one of three ways. You can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com. You can connect with us via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wolcarlsbad. Or you can click contact us via our app or our website. We would love to hear from you, and we want you to know that God is madly in love with you. Thanks for joining us.